This place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yes. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. It's raining. They don't care. These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash the check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Hello and welcome back to the QB11 show presented by Scoop Duck. I am here. I'm Doug Scott and also here, who I've now met in the flesh for the first time, Andrew, QB11. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Doug? By you're the way. You're tall. You're tall. Thanks. You're, you're taller than I, um, than I thought. Your, uh, your cooking is quite spectacular, I must say. I mean, you got the leftover shit, too, that was cold. Like, you should have been there. When it was I, warm. I'm just mad I missed out on the Kahlua pork. For oh the my god! Game. Yeah, the Hawaii game food. I have had. I'm people are still talking about it. So people, I must have did all right. People are talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what That's the awesome. menu is for Washington State. It's too far away. We'll figure it out. We don't know the game time yet either. So that has a hand. Yeah, the menu. I'm the the expectation has been set high though. Are you coming so, back for Wazoo? Yeah, I'm gonna be at I think every home game for the rest of the way. Nice. nice. Except for Cal. Cal. I won't be a Cal. Okay. Well, I'm going to take the blame game. for this one. I know you, you kind of took the blame a little bit for it on our, on our podcast, but I, it was on the last one, but it was actually me. Like I, you know, I had done two uh, post game, like instant reaction shows for the Hawaii and Portland state games. And then together you and I did the Texas tech one. And we had talked before the game about doing one after the Colorado game. And I'll be honest with you. It wasn't your fault. I was driving home. I was thinking about it and I just, I never reached out to you to get on and record. I was kind of tired. I'd had LASIK surgery the day before, just wasn't feeling it. So it's my fault. I'm sorry to the listeners. I let you down. It won't happen again. We'll hit the post game reaction this week. Whether really it's me or QB or both of us, we will do it. I'll, I mean, I'll be available this week. I was, it's a lot easier when I'm not on the road. Right? The road I mean, games are so much easier. Somehow, I still get absolutely no service in Austin after all these years. Nobody so, does. Nobody does. It's not just you. Like no. If you stay to the end of the game and then like getting out, and I, I don't even really have service until we're on the freeway on the way back to Portland. It's it's pretty bad. Right. Um, but regardless, enough excuses. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, we'll make sure that it happens this week. Yeah, and I again we uh, we had intended to take some questions on Wednesday. We ended up doing an hour and twenty minutes of, of great, hopefully great content. We thought it was great. Hopefully, you all thought it was great. Uh, the listener count shows it. At least some of you did. Most of you did. Uh, so we're we're hold over a bunch of listener questions for today. So we will definitely get to those in today's episode. And uh, let's just uh, let's get it rolling, QB. Do the Stanford Stanford week. 
Yeah, really exciting opponent. Stanford um, is a terrible football team. Uh, let's just start there. So, um, this I think is I not said good. that on the last episode. They're they're awful. Um, you know, this, this is, is the not... worst team remaining on the schedule. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think know. it's close. Cal's on the schedule too. So, Stanford's worse than Cal. There's no, I, I no think doubt that, I think that they are. Yeah, Arizona State's I, also on the schedule, and they are also bad. But they're they're they have better talent than than Stanford. So. I don't even know. I, I I don't know. There's three bad teams left on the schedule. Everyone and we get them all. So, hey, there we go. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this game, if I'm being really honest with everybody. It's, this let me, is a really let me give you some stats, team. and then we can, talk, we can talk from there. So Okay, that works. Just, what's that? That works. Okay. Uh, just This is just Pac-12 stats. So through through the game so far, the 10th. Conference in scoring per game at 22 and a half. They are 10th in the conference at total yards per play at 5.58. They are, hey, eighth. They're up to eighth in the conference in rushing yards per attempt at 4.3. They are ninth at passing yards per attempt at 7.2. Are you sensing a theme here? Uh, yeah, going not, on the defensive side of the ball, they are 11th in the conference at scoring allowed at 32.8 points per game. They are dead last in yards per play at 6.39. In rushing yards, they are 10th at 4.18 yards allowed, that is. And then in passing yards allowed, they are dead last at 8.1 yards per attempt. So Stanford is... No higher than eighth in any of those categories. I'm sure if we dug into all kinds of other statistical categories and metrics and rankings and went to advanced stats, they would look as bad or even worse across the board. They are a bad, bad football team. Um, let's talk about some of those things. EPA, offensive EPA, um, EPA per pass, they're 84th. They're actually 21st in EPA per rush, so not, not absolutely as ter- terrible, although they are only 81st in rushing success rate. Defensively, 128th in success rate, 123rd against the pass, 119th against the rush. I mean, they aren't good at anything, QB. No, they're not. I mean, it's it's a team with very little talent that doesn't have access to the transfer portal to fix those holes. So, like, well, they'll have – I would say that like, if we were comparing them to, like, Cal or Arizona State, I think that there's more players on Stanford that would actually play for Oregon, but there's only, like, three of them, and then everybody else is – probably not even Pac-12 caliber for the most part. I mean, again, they've got a couple other guys that are better, and, and they'll get it sorted out over time because they're recruiting pretty well right now. But it's uh, it's tough. There's not a lot of good on this roster. Um, David Bailey, the outside linebacker, I would consider probably the best player on this team. Um, EJ Smith is back. They've got a couple decent weapons. Jurassic at tight end, I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, is a solid player. Um, oh, he's he's better than solid. That's not fair. But he's a good player a at tight end. Player, yeah. But when your yeah. your offensive line is really, really, really bad, and your quarterback situation is bad, and you're playing two bad quarterbacks because your neither quarterback is particularly good at one half of the position, um, it's it's tough to win football games. And I, it seems like a situation last week against Arizona, where Arizona was looking ahead to Washington. Um, because they were able to keep it semi-competitive, but I, I don't see that being a, a problem for Oregon this week. Yeah, I I, I really don't either. I, I guess the one area of possible interest in this game is 
you know, so far this year in a, in a pretty small sample size, Oregon has not been super successful against the run. Obviously, Texas Tech being the, the, the primary example of that, particularly with the quarterback run. But I um, mean, Oregon's only 80th in rushing success rate defensively and, uh, and 100th in EPA per rush defensively. So that is one area where, again, small sample size so far, but Oregon hasn't fared extremely well. And, and it is Stanford's best area on their entire team is the average FBS. So it's not great, but it is their best area because everything else is god awful. So that'll be maybe one yeah. thing to watch in this game is can Stanford find success in the run game at all and, and how well can Oregon bottle that up? That would be concerning if they did to me. Um like I and I, I agree with that. Like if I'm looking at us I think the defensive line is more than fine against the run. I just our linebackers struggle to, to take on and get off blocks at times. So uh but you're it sounds like Justin Jacobs will be available this weekend, so maybe the ad- addition of him back into the lineup changes that math a little bit. Yeah, and I think if you're if you're Oregon, I mean, it sounds like Jacobs has been practicing this week and cleats and full full go and some drills that the limited time that media gets to see. So, I would think if you're Oregon, you'd love to have, get him out there at least in lim- in a limited snap count manner, right? If you can get him 10, 10, 12, 15 snaps in this game, just to kind of shake the rust off, get some game. Uh, you know, game play under his belt with the team in this uh, in this defense. Like, I think that has got to be ideal for Oregon. Obviously, having him come out of that healthy and ready to go, and then you get the bye week, and then and then you can uh, ramp him up against Washington if you need him there. I, I think that not. I think the the linebackers for Oregon in general have improved their play from game one through game four. You know, maybe as much or more than any other unit. Um, but again, they haven't really faced a, a rushing team in the last several weeks either. So, I mean, yeah, and some of that too is like. When a team like Colorado does run the ball, you don't have very many bodies around the line of scrimmage, and so it could be a more efficient play than you would have if you were actually trying to defend the run in a serious way. Like Oregon was playing like basically as little bodies in the box as you can last week, um, and and it worked right. Like it's not like the rushing game for Colorado was particularly good. Um, the only bad sample, in my opinion, is against the quarterback run with Tyler Shuck in the in the Texas Tech game. So. Uh, I look forward to seeing that get 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 sorted out and prove this weekend, uh, and I think it will. I, there's nothing along the offensive line for Stanford that makes me think that what they've shown as a rushing team should be particularly dangerous to Oregon. So um, I anticipate and would hope to see a much better performance from the run game uh, run defense this week in relation to the opponent. So. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. I think well, let's you know we'll talk about Oregon's offense. I, I I don't know, man. Like this almost feels like the Hawaii game in in a sense. It's like the team is so overmatched. Like, are you really going to get any anything out of you know observations in this game other than yeah they came and they took. I mean, obviously, if the game is close or Oregon fails to perform in one in one quadrant or another, like that would be a concern. But if Oregon comes out and takes care of business and wins by 30, are we going to learn anything? It's hard to say yes to that. No, I mean, that's the thing that's tough is like, this is like the last game before (laughs) UW. So you would hope that you could learn something about the team in this game. I mean, I think what you'd like to see, and I think Dan's alluded to this multiple times this week, is you go out on the road and you play a complete game on the road, which we haven't done yet this season. I mean, we've only had one road game to, to this point, but it's it's time to, to put that kind of performance against an inferior opponent on the board. 
Um, and I'm sure you agree with that as well. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway here, right? And Stanford is a is a place that obviously Oregon hasn't brought their A game very often, right? I mean, you look at two years ago, obviously they, they beat Ohio State, riding high, top three ranking, and they go down to Stanford, what, two weeks later and lay an absolute egg. It was the next game. And lose. It wasn't the next Okay, yeah. Well, they lay an egg and they lose um, to, a, to a Stanford team that did not win the rest of the year. They ended up three and nine and lost like nine straight games uh, to end the season after beating Oregon. Um, and then, you know, I think Oregon took care of business a little bit better in 20, it would have been 2019, Herbert's senior year. But, you know, you go back before that, you know, Stanford was a better football team in the years before that. But it's always been a place that Oregon hasn't really seemed like they played their best game outside of 2015 with Vernon Adams. Yeah, there's there's no good reason for that. And that's, I guess, the, the concern for me is, like, was the Colorado game actually emotional? I don't – it doesn't seem to me that it was particularly emotional. I mean, obviously the uh, – team was fired up to kick some ass but it wasn't one of those things where we weren't expecting to win and it was draining for us to go out there and beat them i mean half, half the game was garbage time right so yeah. I, don't, um, I don't buy that theory either i i think this is a mature football team with a lot of mature leadership and I'd, i would expect them to show up on the road um in a business-like manner and take care of an inferior opponent that's what i expect um and i think i probably have higher expectations for this team than possibly any team that we've had in recent memory. Like I have higher expectations for this team in 2019. Now, there's better teams on the schedule, I think, by and large, with Washington, Utah, and USC, Washington State, and Arizona, or, or not Arizona, and uh, Oregon State. But um, this team has just so, so many established leaders and, and is really laden in the right places with veteran with veteran presences um, that can that can help lead this team through adverse situations. I think that showed up on the road when we played Tech, and I think that that'll show up on the road here. Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is Oregon's best team since since 2014, in my opinion. I I I, I think this is a better team than certainly 2021. I think it's a better team than we had in 2019. Um, it certainly has a higher ceiling. Um, I, I can't think of any team since 2014 that I think this team is not better than. But like you said, the level of competition in this conference is also considerably better. So it doesn't mean you end up with as good or, or a better record than than all those teams that came over the last eight, nine years. But I think I do think I have pretty high expectations, too. And, you know, I think we said this at the beginning of the year and even after last season is, you know, anything short of an appearance in in the Pac-12 title game is a pretty serious disappointment and a pretty serious, I, I, I don't know. It, it would be a, it would be a pretty under underwhelming and underachieving season in my mind. If you don't at least make it to that game. Yeah, I agree. And I think All right. We, we can get to it, but I think they will. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of game time to go, but I, I, I have, I, I have a lot of confidence like you is I think this is a team that has a, a veteran you know, they have a lot of veteran leadership on this team on both sides of the ball, right? I mean, Bo Nix is a fifth-year senior. He's started more games than any quarterback in college football. Um, but he's not the only, you know, only leader on that side of the ball, the only veteran on that side of the ball, right? I mean, even some of your third-year third, third year players are veteran players, you know, Troy, a Troy Franklin, a JPJ, you know, and, 
you know, some of those guys that, you know, Bucky, right? I mean, there's a lot of leaders on that side of the ball. And then you go over on the defensive side of the ball, and there's just, you know, especially at the, along the defensive line. I mean, you just got tons of tons of leaders there, tons of veterans there and, and up and down the roster. And I think it's a team that clearly has a a purpose of vision of of what they're trying to accomplish this year, right? They don't look at last week as a like, hey, we did something, right? They look at it as like, okay, you know, it checked another box on our on our journey of accomplishments that we're that we're stacking this season to reach our goals. Yeah, and that's why and I, I think, don't see this team as one that's going to come out flat in a game like this one. Well, and what we saw last year with Dan Lanning as the head coach is that when Oregon's a better team, they show up and they win, and we've seen that this year to this point, right? I, I think. Um, the consistency of performance when you, when when they're clearly the better team that is outmatching an opponent is gives me a lot of confidence. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I I don't have a ton to add on this. Stanford's pretty bad. Like if this game shouldn't be close, I mean you never know. You could always show up on the road and lay a stinker. I hope that's not the case here. But um, either way, I, I don't think Oregon's in any danger of losing this game. It's just a matter of taking care of business and uh, that's really, <laughs> this is, this is a pretty simple breakdown. Like I, yeah. We could get into the X's and O's and we could talk schematics, but I, I really don't think it's a good use of our time. I think there's better things to talk about. Yeah. I, I just let's talk maybe, maybe what you want to see on both sides of the ball. I mean, obviously the all the usual things like stay healthy, play clean. I think, you know, penalties, you'd like to see some significant improvement there. We haven't really seen that. I think it was a little bit better last week. Um, stand, you know, the, the Hawaii game was mostly better until I think there was a lot of them late, which were more backups, but you know, still not great. You'd like to see penalties in this road game be a lot less than you saw at Texas tech. Right. I think that'd be one area where you'd want to see a lot of cleaning up, you know, just kind of some of those you know, pre-snap stuff be a lot cleaner, you know, don't turn the ball over, don't do stupid things, you know, kind of basic, basic blocking and tackling, <laughs> if you will, in the, in a, in a rhetorical or not a, in a, in a, non-literal sense, right? Figurative sense. Um, and then, I, I, you know, I think offensively, you just play your offense, you play pretty vanilla, you're balanced like you always are. You, you know, maybe you get some stuff on tape that forces Washington to, to prep for. Um, and then defensively, can you, can you have another, you know, lockdown performance on defense, right? Can you, can you te- keep a team in the teens or less? And this the Stanford team is certainly one that you should be able to. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't think that Oregon needs to roll out anything spectacular, and I I like what you said about putting things on tape that you want Washington to prepare for. Um, I think that's what the opportunity is in this game because I I think you can keep it pretty vanilla doing what you've done so far this season. I mean, obviously you're going to have little iterations and wrinkles that you uh, that you add into your offense and defense every week, um, but I don't I don't think that there's a need for Oregon to reinvent the wheel this week. Um, I know we haven't said a whole lot. I, I I don't think, like you said, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about this game. Any more final thoughts on Oregon Stanford? You know, score prediction? How you know you think Oregon covers? So we'll get to our picks, but you know it's a twenty-seven yeah, I mean, point line. Or... Yeah, I would expect Oregon to cover this game. Not like it's a tough road environment either. I mean, like the farm is like a library. Um, <laughs> so and like like I think someone else said uh, I don't remember who said it in the media this week, but like it's a bring your own juice game. Like it's a perfect. That's a perfect analogy because, like, there will probably likely be almost as many Oregon fans as there are Stanford fans in the crowd, um, and it's going to be kind of an eerie, quiet environment. And so, 
this is where I, a good test for the team in the sense that like, can they just show up, bring their own juice, beat the hell out of a team that they should beat the hell out of, get the win, stay healthy, get off the field early, um, and, and move on, move on to your bye week in preparation for really probably the biggest game of the season in Washington. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about the other games around the Pac-12. All right, QB, we are back on the QB11 show. We, uh, we're going to make our Pac-12 picks. we got five Pac-12 teams this week. That means we have two teams on a bye, and they are UCLA and scanning. I'm scanning. Who else is on a break? Washington State. Uh, yep. Washington Washia. State and UCLA. So we got five games. Oregon, Stanford, Oregon, and Stanford. Oregon is a 27-point favorite in this one. Uh, Hopper and I both have our pick on Oregon to cover. I do as well. It's, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to backdoor cover. I don't think that Stanford's going to score enough points and before this game gets into garbage time to be in a position to backdoor cover. I, I think Oregon's defense is going to be able to sit on Stanford's offense pretty good. All right, let's move on. Utah, Oregon State. Uh, this one is a three-point line in favor of the hometown Beavs. This is a Friday night game. Um, I'm not, I was kind of surprised to see the Beavers favored by three in this one. I guess maybe there's you know some of that's got to be the cam rising uncertainty, but um, you know I think outside of it is probably that. I guess that means it's a pick'em game on a neutral field, which I just I don't. I don't agree with that. I think Utah's a better football team, even without, even with their limited limitations. Yeah, I'm taking Utah on this. I understand where they're coming from. It's a home game. I would assume Reeser will be pretty rowdy, um, and I think Reeser deserves a couple points um, for home field. But I don't particularly agree with the idea that they would be an even matchup on a on a neutral foot, even without rising. Um, and I, I don't know that it's necessarily a foregone conclusion that Rising won't play this week or that Keithy won't play this week. But even if they don't, just looking strength on strength um, with the fronts of Utah and Oregon State, I think that Andy Ludwig and Nate Johnson with his explosiveness um, as a runner are going to be able to find more things against this Oregon State defense, specifically with kind of a suspect secondary, uh, than, than Oregon State's going to be able to find through the air against Utah. Because I think, I, I think that Utah is capable of getting pressure on DJU. Um, and I, he, as we saw last week against or, uh, against Washington State, and throughout his career, he hasn't been particularly good dealing with pressure in his face. I, I agree. I, Hop's got Utah. I have Utah in this one as well. I think Utah wins outright. Um, I think it'll be a typical a game that we've seen from Utah this year, and, and it's going to be a really low scoring game. You know, probably be like, I mean, Utah beat UCLA fourteen to seven last week. I wouldn't be shocked if. This game was in the teens on both sides. You know, a little bit more than that, right? But, I bet the under on this game. Like, this is a game that I don't think, especially if Rising doesn't play. But even if he does, like, I, I don't know that the weapons on the outside with Utah are new. I mean, I know they're not as dynamic as what Washington State was putting on the field last week. But Right. Um, 45 and a half is the over-under on this. That would be, what, 27 to, 27 to 18? Yeah, yeah. 27-17. I kind of like the under as well. I, I think this game could be like a 24-17 to 17 or 24-14 to 14 kind of thing. Maybe even a 21-17 to 17 type, of, type of thing. So and It's not just rising that's missing, and I also understand that. I think that's something that's gone kind of under-talked about is that they're, they're missing like eight other starters. Uh, but I think that I think that uh, Utah is going to start getting some of these guys back. I, I haven't looked at the injury report yet this week. Not that 
Kyle Whittingham would provide one. Um, so even without those guys, I just think that the overall quality of this Utah team is greater than the quality of this Oregon State team. Yeah, I totally agree. I got Utah. All right, let's move on to USC at Colorado. The prime show rolls on. This one is the early kick, 9 a.m. local time for USC players and fans and, and the rest of the those of us in the Pacific time zone. This game will kick off at 9 a.m. on Fox Big Noon kickoff. Um, USC is a 21.5-point favorite, pretty similar to the line that the Ducks had last week. Of course, it's on the road in Colorado and Boulder this time. Um, what do you think about this one? Uh, give me USC minus all the points. I, I, where is Colorado? When is Colorado going to get a stop in this game? And unlike Oregon, who's just content to like work their way up and down the field in eight, nine, 10 yard chunks, USC is going to get it all a lot faster than that. Um, and while I don't think that this USC defense is as good as Oregon's, I don't think you have to be as good as Oregon to really contain this, this Colorado de- offense, um, specifically with Xavier Weaver, Weaver, uh, the receiver questionable this week. So, um, I, with with the Arizona game in the rearview Arizona State game in the rearview mirror and, and USC putting up a pretty poor performance, I think we'll see a, a pretty dialed in USC team. It's going to be nationally televised game on Big Noon. Um, I think USC comes out and absolutely throttles them. Yeah, I I kind of vacillated on this one. I was kind of th- I mean USC's defense is bad, right? I do think USC will get all the points that they want in this one, but mm-hmm. I thought well. You know, are they gonna? Is Colorado gonna be able to score enough and maybe get some late ones to to stay inside that that line? But at the end of the day, I'm kind of with you. I don't think I don't think they will. Um, I do think they'll score a lot more than they scored against Oregon, or, or more than they scored against Oregon, and, and earlier than they scored against Oregon. You know, they'll probably get I don't know three touchdowns on the board maybe in this one against USC's defense. USC's a bad tackling team. Um, and I think that's that they've had a lot of. I think Arizona had like 13 explosion plays or something. Arizona State had like 13 explosion plays or something last week. So I do think Colorado will put some points on the board, but but I mean USC is going to get 60, so it's not going to be yeah. close. And I, I'm with you, and, even, and Justin is as well. Even if this game's a little bit more competitive, a little bit longer, it, it all it means is that USC will be scoring deeper into the first half or into the second <laughs> half, which just results in them winning still. So. Or winning and covering. Yeah. yeah, no, totally agree. Um, next game, Arizona State at Cal. This one, the line surprised me when I saw this one. Cal is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite in this one, which just seems like, I know Arizona State's bad, but Cal's not exactly great, and 12-and-a-half seems like a lot. Yeah, I'm taking ASU in this one, mostly because I think that even if, if the way that Cal is, even if they do blow out Arizona State, like an Arizona State blowout is like 10 by 10 points. Yeah, uh, Justin's with you. He has Arizona State as well. I'm actually going Cal. Uh, I can't believe I'm I, saying I this. Get it. Like, I get I thought the line is crazy, but I, you know, it sounds like Pine might be down again for Arizona State, so who's going to play quarterback for them? You know, last week, I think they pulled out all the stops uh, at home against USC. You know, they did a lot of trick plays galore. They ran a lot of wildcat. They had that scataboo, scatabooing all over the field. I don't just don't know if you can repeat that, especially on the road this week. So I, I kind of think 
maybe they're going to fall back to earth a little bit and Cal and Cal will actually cover, maybe win by two scores. So I, I picked Cal, but uh, we'll see. I don't hate that pick. I really don't. I mean, this is probably the least confident pick I have this week because it, as bad as Cal looks against good teams like Washington um, and they are well coached enough offensively and they have enough weapons. I'm actually going to change my pick. I'm going to take Cal because they're well coached enough offensively and they have enough weapons for a team that really lacks talent on the defensive side of the ball is going to get actually quite mismatched by them. So I, I think Cal wins by like, oh man, this is tough. I, I really hate this game. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. I think you're sticking with Cal. Cal you're going back to Cal. Yeah. Okay. With, between Ott and Bynum and, or not Bynum, um, Hunter uh, and some of the other playmakers, I think that they have enough pieces to to be explosive against uh, an ASU defense that's just pretty bad. That's my final answer. Final answer? <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. All right, we got one more Pac-12 game. It's the, the late game down in the desert, which has been a house of horrors for a lot of a lot of Northwest teams over the years, over the last 10 years. This time it's Washington going on the road to tucson to take on the arizona wildcats the huskies are an 18 point road favorite in this one where say you um i i joked and didn't take them last week i i don't see arizona getting stops this arizona's deep defense is better than last year but it's still bad so i'm gonna take the huskies minus the points yeah i i'm with you Justin's also with you. We all have Washington in this one. I, like I said before, I mean, Jaden Dora is questionable. Um, I don't know if it's true freshman. That, that actually might that. be a good thing. I, I don't. <laughs> well, yeah. Jayden. If it's if it's bad, Jaden Dora, it's definitely a good thing that he's questionable. If it's good, Jaden Dora, it's probably not. But you never know which one you're going to get. I don't know that good Jaden Dora has been around in a long time. He's been pretty horrible, pretty this consistently. Year. Yeah, I don't think we've seen good Jaden Dora yet this season. You're right there. So, yeah, I think I I think also I do think like, that like. Not, not, not that it's going to affect the outcome of this game, but I am very interested to see how Washington secondary holds up in this game if Delora does play. Um, just from the standpoint of like, I, I don't think this Washington secondary is particularly good still, um, and there's some pretty good receivers on the outside for Arizona that can that can cause some problems. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. All right, Washington for all three of us on there. Let's. Uh... Let's take another quick break, QB, and then we'll come back and talk about the national games. All right, we are back on the QB11 show. We're rolling right along here. We've got our Pac-12 picks in. We've got six six national picks this week. The, the slate of games this week is definitely not as, uh, as exciting and thrilling as last week's slate of games was, but there's a couple of couple of nuggets here. I think a couple of interesting ones. And then, you know, when in doubt, I just loaded up with some Big Ten teams to fill out the slate because, you know, we're going to be in the Big Ten next year and we got to get used to looking at some of this stuff. Yeah, you picked some barn burners. Yeah, well, you know. Michigan State, say? Iowa, huh, Doug? <laughs> oh, yeah, I went there. There's a lot gonna, of intrigue in that game. Who's going <laughs> to score 10 points? <laughs> well, let's start there then. So Michigan State goes to Iowa in, in a team that, probably has quit on both sides of the ball and a team that is rumored to have quit on one side of the ball. So, uh, 
you know, Michigan State is on the road in this one. Obviously, we all know what's going on there with they did officially fire Mel Tucker, I think today or yesterday it was. Uh, yeah, so in Iowa's defense, though, you can't quit doing something you never started. <laughs> offense? You can't quit playing like offense? Like quitting going to the started. gym when you've never been there before. Uh, hey, QB, I've quit going to the gym a lot of times, man. I can, it can happen, <laughs> I'm telling you. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Way to call me out on that one. I wasn't calling um, you out at all. But... I know, but I just I, I had to take the bait. It was funny. Um, no, so but what blows my mind in this one, though, QB, is Iowa, the team with no offense who got shut out last week, somehow was a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Like, how is that possible? How is that possible? Um, because because Washington's or Michigan State legitimately, well, I don't know, Northwestern's also in that league. There's a pretty soft underbelly of the Big Ten this year. Yeah, uh, it's like the top three, and then a long drop to whoever you want to say is number four. I know it, it might be Wisconsin, and that kind might of disgusts me because this is not a great Wisconsin team might by any Maryland. stretch of the imagination. It could be Maryland, but yeah, no, that's it's fair. a chasm. It's a chasm. It's not good. No, I you know the the four pack teams that are going to be joining the big. Uh, 10 next year will will all be in the top seven of that league the minute they walk through the door we'll see how long they all stay there but as of right now that would be the case yeah i will um i'll, I'll take iowa i i don't think Iowa's going to score a bunch of points in this game but they'll score enough to cover and i don't know that michigan state's going to score at all 14 zip that works qb 14 zip would work for you they can even works. blow an extra point and you could get it iowa so, really you know. needs to get back on track because they need to be averaging or, is it, is it 325 or 425 points that they're tra- they're supposed to get to in total? They need 325 in, in the regular season. Bowl games don't count. Um, Big Ten title game doesn't count. count. Um, so, yeah, they got to average 27 a game, and they're below that average right now with the with their gimmies out of the way, with their, you know, their patsies where they could roll up extra points. Are um, they rolled up massive numbers, like 200 yards of total offense? Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the the games where they had a chance to pad their number are gone. The the real st- is who is going to have more yards, Iowa's punter or Iowa's offense, and then also um, who that's will a great be one. That'd be a great more, a great like uh, prop bet. Who will be responsible for more touchdowns scored in this game? The Iowa defense or the Iowa offense? Yeah, I don't think the defense is scoring this year at nearly the rate they were a previous year. So yeah, but they haven't um, played Michigan State yet. That is true. That is true. I will say though, Iowa, Iowa State, Iowa had um, Western Michigan and Utah State, and you know those were the games where they really needed to roll up points to pad. The problem is they were under the average they needed against Utah State. They only scored twenty four. They did get forty one against Western Michigan, um, but you know only got twenty against Iowa State and zero against Penn State. So they're well under the average and. Uh, it's not going to get easier for them as they go. They do have some good defenses down, the, you know, on the rest of their schedule because they play in the Big Ten West, where every game is seventeen to ten. Yeah, I don't know how much of it is great defenses this year. I actually think it's just such horrible offenses. Like in the past, I would usually agree that it's really good defense, but uh, I don't think Wisconsin's defense is nearly as good as it's been in, in recent years. I think Minnesota's defense has taken a step back. Um, Nebraska is not good on defense, but they might look good in this league. So I don't know. It's uh, it's messy. It's ugly. It's the Big Ten West, and unfortunately, fortunately for those who don't enjoy that type of hideous football, it dies this year. 
Yeah, thank God. No more no more Big Ten West division. Like I think the the collective football world outside of the Big Ten West will will uh will be very happy that they'll, they'll, there'll be less of those west on west games going forward and, and more intermingling of better, more enjoyable games and more beatdowns, which will happen when the, the West teams play the, the the better teams in the conference and especially with the, the other Pac twelve teams coming in too. So most it'll be a lot more enjoyable football though, but I guess those like old heads might cry tears not getting to see twenty seven trophy games that you know are like fourteen you're to ten. To me. It's like you're looking at me and talking. I'm not an old head, but I do. I'm not I, talking I about... do have a sick enjoyment from Big Ten West like hideous games. I was talking the other day with QB with some Husky fans, and we all agreed that the duck husky rivalry as we enter the big 10 needs a, a name and a trophy at some point. So we, we, something maybe we can go to work on. Do we What's get to name it? I don't know. Let's do it. We can submit names. Not, not right now though. I need to, this needs to be crock potted. I can't just, can't yeah, just we have stew on it. Yeah. Let it slow roast. Yeah, we can do it. Crock pot, slow roast, stew, whatever your slow cooking delight might be. Right, what's our next game? Let's talk about something less ugly. Oh no, Michigan, <laughs> Nebraska. Okay, so it's going to be ugly too. Um, I'm gonna wait. Wait, take... did we make picks there? Oh yeah, Michigan State. Justin and and I both had Michigan State. I know you had Iowa. You guys so. are sick. You I know we are. are. We are. You guys are sick. We just have we have less faith in Iowa's offense than you do. How about that? Big mistake. That could be. It very well could be. All right. Uh, what do we got next? We had Kansas, Texas. Uh. Well, yeah, what sure. If that's if that's the order. I was going from top to or bottom to top. All right, that's fine. We'll go with yours. Nebraska, Mich- Michigan at Nebraska. Seventeen point road favorite is Michigan. And I'm picking I, Michigan. I've picked Michigan in this one. Justin went with the Cornhuskers. I just this don't know how they actually score. moved the opposite it's... direction that I expected it to move. Yeah, it went down. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I thought so. I got it at like seventeen and a half, and I was like, "Oh, this seems like like pretty good value." Um, and then everybody else is getting it at like seventeen, or some people got it at sixteen and a half. I don't. I don't care. I guess I don't understand. Like, is Nebraska going to score? I, no. Michigan's pretty good defensively. I don't. This game's gonna. I, I don't see it. I don't. I mean, even if Michigan continues to play the slow, grinded out games they've been playing that we were talking about on our recap show, like they're still going to win by four touchdowns. I mean. Uh, I'm all in on Michigan to cover 17 without without sweating. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Okay, so that takes us to the last of our Big Ten trifecta. Penn State on the road, 27-point favorite. The, your Penn State Nittany Lions, who you picked to make the playoffs this year, at Northwestern. Yeah, they actually had an this. amazing comeback last week uh, to beat Minnesota after being down by like 30 points or something. They're, Northwestern is really bad, though. I, I just think Minnesota is really bad, too. Sorry, Matt. Does Penn State cover the 27? Yes. Yeah, I'm in on that, yes, too. Yes, Your Honor. I don't, I, don't, I don't see Northwestern scoring a lot on Penn State, either. Yeah, I think the combined score between Nebraska and Northwestern will be like under seventeen. Um, yeah, that, like if that you add work. the two together, yeah. 
so I've got I've got Penn State covering as well. Justin uh, again bucks the trend. It goes with Northwestern, so he does not like Big Ten favorites on the road. Apparently, it's not like Northwestern is much of a road environment, though. You never know. You get that wind blowing off the lake into Ryan Stadium. Oh, you know the name of the stadium. That's impressive. Hey, I do my homework, Kibi. I prepped for hours for this show. Didn't you? I could tell. No. I just kind of showed up. In fact, I forgot we were recording. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. That's not true. I know you didn't. We talked about it last night. I know you didn't forget. I didn't forget. Um, All right. Let's move on. We've got an SEC battle. This one is actually a closer spread. Two and a half point. Again, another road favorite. The LSU Tigers go on the road to the old. What is Ole Miss? What's Ole Miss called? The Ole Miss. Uh, uh, the, the Rebels. The Running Rebels. What's their town? Where are they from? They are from Oxford, Mississippi. Oxford. Yes, they go to Oxford to take on the Ole Miss Running Rebels and the Powder Powder Blue. Two and a half point a road favorite in favor of the Tigers, who struggled to put away Arkansas last week. Yeah, I uh, I think Ole Miss is like actually bad. I do too. So I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take LSU. Not that they've been super impressive. They struggled against Arkansas, but I think that they'll come out and look to make a point this week. I tend to agree. I I have LSU. Justin also has LSU. I thought I think they're gonna they're gonna bounce back from this one. I do think I do think Ole Miss is I don't know. I don't think they're a good football team at all. And every year they get ranked way high as you know, and they beat up on some patsies and then they end up eight and four or something. This year they just kind of hit their good teams earlier in the season than they than they do normally, so they're going to fall off the top twenty five more appropriately early in the season um, instead of late. So, which is good because we don't have to listen to like all this over crap hype about how old good old Miss is because they haven't played anybody yet. So, yeah, they're done. Put them in the toaster. I, I think the SEC West is probably the worst it's been in my adult life. Yeah, Probably both of our adult lives. Well, even I mean, obviously Texas A&M lost their quarterback today, right? So they're I do think they were a team that was looking to get a little bit better this year than last. Maybe you know get back to their normal eight and four. Ole Miss has been pretty good, you know, historically. Mississippi <laughs> State. Shots. We, I think we know. I'm just yeah, it's just back to the goal it's just true. Point. It's just true. It is. It um, is true. And then you know Mississippi State was thought. To be a good team, they're terrible. Ole Miss is way worse than normal. And then even the two teams you think are like your your rock steady, solid teams and, and great teams and, and Alabama and, and LSU look to be I mean, Alabama probably has their worst team in a decade, and LSU is so far kind of underperforming expectations pretty heavily. I don't think the team at Bama is that bad, but like they just the don't offense, have any the quarterback. They, they don't have any good options at quarterback. That is the problem. All right. So we all have LSU in this one. Let's now go to the great state of Texas, Austin, where the Kansas Jayhawks come to town. Kansas is one of those teams that's kind of under under respected again this year. You know, I think they're better than most people think. They are a 17-point road, 16-and-a-half-point road dog in Austin. Texas kind of played with their food a little bit the last couple of weeks. You think that's going to happen again, or you think Texas is going to cover the 16 and a half? No, I, I think Texas has actually been playing pretty good, reliable football here of late. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take Texas. I think they're just a way more talented football team. I love Lance Leipold. I think he's going to be a great coach at Michigan State. Um, but 
yeah. There's, there's just not a lot of. I just don't think that they match up. I'm trying to think of a way to. Kansas, Kansas is a really plucky, well-coached football team, and they've got, I think, a pretty good quarterback. But I don't think he's a guy that really makes a lot of big-time throws. I think he's more of an athlete that plays well within a really well-designed system. And I'm sure Kansas will scheme Texas up and they'll score some points. But I think that ultimately the the town along the trenches for Texas is what make has me believing in Texas this year. And so with that in mind, I have to take Texas to cover this game because I think they're going to dominate the trenches on both sides of the ball as the game wears on. And if Quinn Ewers can hit a few explosives, I think this this uh, Texas team is going to score like in the 40s. And I don't really see Kansas getting into the 20s. Yeah, I guess the question is, does – and you're right, I, I was – they did play with their food against Rice a little bit early in the season, but the last two they've put away pretty handily. So, and I think, yeah, yeah, I was wrong on that one. Uh, I think the question is if if Hewers hits some of those, uh, you know, big plays, does does uh, Xavier Worthy catch them? Is the question? Yeah, he does have uh, bricks for hands recently. Well, I, I guess his whole career. It's not like this is something that's brand new, but um, it, they've got other players. Ad Mitchell's really impressive. Um, Jordan Whittington yeah, is, is solid. Yeah, the, the the transfer from Georgia. Um, I, I think okay. some of the so the other guys are solid, but yeah, that's where I'm at with that. All right, you and Hop have Texas. I'm going to ride with the Jayhawks. I'm going to ride with my Kansas Jayhawks. I, I, by no means do I think they're going to win this game. I just think it's going to be one of those Big Twelve games that you know is a lot closer than you think it should be. Texas wins, but I don't think they cover. Just yeah. a just a just a gut thing there no no reason to think that just go with my gut i i think it's reasonable i just uh i think that if they were to play this game 10 times i think texas covers eight of them so fair enough i'm going for one of the other two all right last one of the week notre dame on the road at duke who has a, a very good team uh i think a team no one's really talking about obviously they beat up on clemson not beat up but they beat clemson in week one, I think their defense is really good. Mike Elko is a really, really good coach. And they're hosting Notre Dame coming off a huge emotional uh, win at home against Ohio State. Notre Dame is a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. I'm going with Duke. Uh, I'm going Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame just has better players. It's kind of the same thing. Clemson played really sloppy in that game. Clemson's improved since then, but um, even, even without considering Clemson at all into this game, I just don't. I don't think it's a great matchup um, for for Duke in the trenches. I think Notre Dame is able to run the ball. Sam Hartman is actually a really good quarterback, uh, and I think that despite not having the athletes to beat Ohio State on the outside, I think that there'll be there'll be some opportunities to create separation for uh, Notre Dame receivers against this Duke secondary. Fair enough. We got a lot of. Uh... A lot of opportunity this week. So you, me, and Hop all picked the, all the Pac-12 games exactly the same. Uh, but outside the Pac-12, there's a lot of opportunity for me to either go on a big run and jump ahead of both of you or for me to fall miserably on my face and fall behind by... by I had a pretty rough week this week. What What's the current standings? Do you have that? The current there? standings? Actually, your week wasn't as bad as I thought because I did I don't know how to add, apparently. And so you were now... You were 5-4 and four last week. I was 4-5. and five. Off was six and three. So you are now oh. 26 and 25 on the year. I'm 25 and 26 and hop is 25 and 20 with the big fat asterisk that he didn't have to pick the two toughest games of the first week. 
which I'm going to continue to hold over his head until we pass him by someday. We'll pass him by soon enough. Does Hop really know ball? No. I mean, I don't know that I do, so. <laughs> I clearly don't because I'm under 500, so. Uh, you are the worst picker in the Pac-12 games, though, of the three of us. Yeah, well, I mean, I trolled myself by not picking Washington last week. That's true. I was just looking yeah. for an excuse to put them at 12 in our power rankings. I told Izzo that. I was like, hey, if you guys don't cover, I'm putting you at 12. <laughs> You're going down to 12. You're going down to 12. <laughs> going straight down to 12. All right. Uh, so that lines up all our games for this week, I think. Okay, QB, we're going to take one last final break, and then we're going to come back with those listener questions. Sounds good. All right, and we are back. Did you have something to say? No, no. I'm just just uh, really impressed by this podcasting that we've done here in the last few minutes that no one's going to be able to hear, which is really disappointing. I, I don't know what you're talking about, QB. Maybe we'll make an outtake reel. I don't, think that, I don't think people would be all that interested. <laughs> you're, you're breaking the fourth wall. See, people aren't even supposed to know there was anything they didn't hear. Just know that I have Doug to cut this really out too. Screwed. No, 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 no. This gets to stay. <laughs> there might have been some bloopers. Some bloopers, some profanity. Doug, it was not very kid friendly. No, no, it was a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of messing up on my part. So, but you know, I spend 99% of the time being the professional on this show. So I get my 1%. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, Doug. This is a fun this. episode. Did you, by the way, did you listen to the episode with Hop the other day? Uh, no, I have not listened to it yet. But to be honest with you, I'm, I'm like pretty enthralled in a, in a book right now. And so that's the main reason I haven't been doing a lot of podcasts this week. What book? Uh, Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits? So it's like yeah. a self-help kind of book, motivational kind of thing? Uh, kind of. It's just like practical, like habit building things or um, steps. I need, I love I need that. that. Kind of stuff. I, it sounds like something I desperately need, which means I probably will never look at. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that kind of stuff. Like, I, I have quite the list. I had a work conference here uh, a little bit over a week ago, and there was a lot of great book recommendations. So I'm trying to get my goal right now is to get through one book a week. So nice. That's what, so podcasts have been taking a little bit of a back, and I, I hate the sound of my voice. Not that I was on that podcast, but I also hate the sound of your voice. So I'm wow. <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Thanks. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I appreciate it. I love the sound of your voice. Well, are you ready to do some listener questions? Yes. Okay, let's do it. Okay, uh, we've got a couple of Colorado. I really don't want to talk about Colorado too much longer, but these were held over, so I I do want to be fair and get these Colorado questions in, and then we can put a put a kibosh on Colorado talk at least until they're relevant again. Um, but let's go with those. So Danny says asks, "How do you feel about Landing getting hate for his pregame speech and?" The it's racism dumb. card being thrown around on Twitter. I didn't see a lot of the racism stuff. It's so but, dumb. It, I actually like really... That, welcome to the locker room. This is what it sounds like at every school every week. I mean, it was a little bit more... It was probably a little bit more intense this week just because of how much crap that they were talking in the lead-up to the game. Um, but it's that that's such a nothing burger. And, and the people that are upset about it, well, Colorado's players shouldn't have ran their damn mouths. If they didn't want it... Like if you want, if you don't want the smoke, like, I know we just talked about not cursing, but it's the f around find out uh, equation, and they yep. f around, so they found out. Well, and what I loved about that was, yeah, some of the 
some of the early chatter was was against it and especially around the the national media sports media folks who are have never paid attention to college football until this year and now only pay attention to Colorado and they were all like clutching their pearls and aghast and all these other things but what I loved about it was all of the the people that matter in the sport, the Josh Pates, the Joel Klatz, the cover three guys, on and on, you know, all of the national media that actually follow the sport every day, talk about it every day, understand the sport. They all actually said that they all came to the defense of Dan Lanning and the program program and uh, and everyone else is like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is this is this is a nothing burger, like exactly what you said. So I love that 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 narrative kind of like quickly got spun on its head very quickly. Oh, also- and then he. And then the next day, when Oregon released their their weekly five minute cinematic video, which had all the stuff that uh, Shiloh Sanders and some of the other Colorado players were saying and doing before game in there, and juxtaposed with it, then that that blew up. I think it's up to twenty four million views right now, that and, that, and all that, the national media like... guys came in on that and are just loving on that video and how and how well Oregon really spun spun the attention to be about Oregon in a positive way. Yeah. That video was awesome. Also, I just love Dan. Like he, he has, he's himself, but there's enough of the Kirby smart qualities that like, I think are really important for a head coach. Um, but I, I'm just so impressed with Dan I'm, with the way that this whole thing was handled with the way our players handled it. Like the fact that we weren't talking shit back, like the fact that we were actually just like, you know, we're just going to absolutely own you guys on the field. There was no like extracurricular penalties for Oregon. Um, although it was pretty awesome seeing uh, Treshawn Holden just absolutely bury, um, uh, a- absolutely bury Shiloh. Yeah. By the way, Shiloh took a couple of headshots at people during the game too. One at one at Treshawn oh, yeah. himself, and then one at Bucky. You know, and I'm not saying they were dirty. They certainly didn't weren't penalty worthy. But but they're he's going high, and it's not an accident. No, definitely not an accident. So. I also, one of the things I love about Dan was, you know, during the week when they asked him if he regretted his comments that he made back in August about Colorado going to the big 12 and he didn't, you know, he didn't back off of it. He doubled down on it. So now I don't regret anything, you know, and then I love the way he handled this week as well. No, he didn't. But I, but a lot of coaches and a lot of people in the media, when they get challenged, a lot of times you'll see them back down or they'll make these kind of like, they'll say what they think the media wants to hear the kind of pseudo apology thing. And I love that Dan doesn't do any of that. Right. He's like, I'm not he's not doing that. Right. He's not doing he's not going to back down. He's like and he, he just shouldn't. and he shouldn't. Right. But I love that he doesn't. Right. And, and he came out in the post game, gave Dion a lot of credit. He came out again this week, gave Dion a lot of credit for bringing attention to the sport. But then he talked about his guys, you know, and then I love in that video when you when you see Tosh you know, telling his guys like that guy don't deserve your attention. Right. Let's just do our be about our business. Right. And I, I love that. So uh, next question. Chad Medeiros. Oh, sorry. No, I'm going to go on to another Colorado question. Duck fan Dan, all the hype aside, how good do you think Shador Sanders would be if he was on a better team with with an, with a capable offensive line? I think you've talked really about good. This, but go ahead. I think he'd be really good. Um, I think he's a really good player. I I don't know that he's any better than Bo. I think that's been like something. That's, oh, he's the second or third best quarterback in this draft. I I disagree with that, but I will say that what he's done playing behind such a truly truly horrible offensive line is pretty impressive like it's not easy to be efficient when you're playing behind such a such a porous group um and besides this game he's been able to make plays he stood in he's taken just tons and tons of hits so i i have a lot of respect for his toughness 
um, and, and the way that he's performed despite having such a horrible offensive line. Um, so for whatever that's worth, I, I do think he's a really good player. And I think that if, like, if he was at Alabama, I think Alabama is undefeated right now. Oh my God. They would kill to have that guy right now. Yeah. That, that would be a completely different team with him for sure. All right. Um, Shelby, the Jello shot queen asks, what were the favorite Jello shot flavors of the week? Uh, so, <laughs> so she brought a, I think a coconut, coconut rum. Uh, coconut like one a, was pretty was pretty it was strong it was strong <laughs> i my out. favorite one was the the pink one and i i know that uh jalil's dad enjoyed that one as well yeah um, he, he had quite a few of the or he, he took a few with his with his buddies for later i think um the pink lemonade one was good i like the i'm always partial to the lemon lime but she made kind of striped you know to in the honor of the stripe out so that was a good one yeah, that one was really good too. Um, I, they, honestly, they were all fantastic. The only one I wasn't a huge fan of was it was it wasn't the most jelloy consistency. The one with uh, the pudding one, the, the pudding one. Yeah, that I don't. That that's like kind of hard to take. It's yeah, and she and she tells that to people, and she's like, oh, you know, it's not a jello shot; it's a pudding shot." But um, it that she almost next... like if I had a sp- if I had a spoon, that one might be more. We had doable. spoons. We could have gave you spoons. All right, well, spoons. she's made, do, if you're a, maybe if you're be a better host and offer me a spoon. If you're into pumpkin stuff, she makes pumpkin next game. So, I do like pumpkin. Pumpkin spice is—it's uh, the season. Yeah. It's spooky season. You're PS, you're PSL. You're you're a PSL dude. Yeah, not, uh, not really, but like I I do get the pumpkin this time of year. I'll get the pumpkin creamer for my cold brew. I drink my coffee black, QB. I'm a man. Okay, Doug. All right, big guy. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on. Chad Medeiros, is Junior Angola not 100%? Why else would he not be getting more snaps? How long until Poncho starts? Not a fan of Jones or Harper. They miss a lot of run blocks. Um, I don't think we're going to see Angola starting at any point this year because he was already really stiff before his last injury, and like he's like completely immobile now. Um, I think he's a depth piece right now. He's just yeah. Uh, I think he's a, and I think he's like a, a good like a good locker room guy. Like I've heard fantastic things about him, but. I just don't think he makes a lot of sense um, to play for us. I think Struthers is the one that has the best likelihood of making the lineup. Um, I think Poncho has been fantastic for a true freshman guard. Poncho has been like one of the like quieter, really impressive contributors to me. Yeah, um, and and you see him getting typically what you're seeing in these games is Jones is starting at the right guard, and and he'll split reps at times with um, with Poncho. And then you see, obviously, Harper starting at left guard, and and Dave Ayuli has been getting in there and getting some reps there. And then, like you said, Struther, Deshaun Struther, um, who's about to come back, you know, maybe maybe this week, uh, maybe UW game. But I think once he comes back, then we'll see kind of where he fits in. Because I think if if you're looking for someone to, I think I think either Poncho, I think Poncho's a guy who could make the line at least marginally better. I think Struther's a guy who could actually be a more significant upgrade. I think Struther's going to be our best guard. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll defend Jones hard. a little bit too. I don't think Jones is as bad as Chad. As uh, Chad does. I mean, and I think Harper's like still kind of dealing Working with some of the off. after effects of his injury. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't like. He kind of looks like uh, we've seen some players look in the past when they don't have a real off season. He had a shoulder um, injury too. Like that's got to affect your play as a as a as a lineman a lot. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big Harper guy though. I believe in him long term. So, yeah. I would agree with that. Okay, next question. 541 Ducks. 
And I'm actually going to combine these two questions because they're almost the same. Five for one ducks asks, I'd have to rewatch the film, but it does it seem like we are underutilizing our tight ends and specifically Ferguson. He had a nice play get called back early, but seemed quiet besides that. And then El Dorado follows up. What would you change about our offense? For me, less RPO throws to a tight end behind the line of scrimmage. So five for one ducks want more tight end throws. El Dorado wants less tight end throws, or at least those specific kind of tight end throws. What say you, JB? I think that like Oregon's in a position to take what's being given. Um, And so if what's being given is stuff behind the line of scrimmage and they're going to play a too high shell and try to keep everything in front, then it is what it is. Um, That's just my take on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, go ahead. In in regards to tight ends, like I I just want to see our playmakers get the ball and, and we have so many of them and there's only one ball to go around and, all these games have been kind of in a race to get to garbage time. So I don't know. I, I just, I have a hard time poking holes in what they've been doing offensively. It's working um, and we're smoking teams and we're not really having any trouble at all moving the ball. So I, as much, I, if, if there's any tight end, I want to see get the ball more and get more uh, opportunities. I know where you're going. It's, it's, it's uh, Sadiq. Yeah, I, I was going to say with regards to what Eldorado like, said, like I would I would agree to the extent of throwing those tight end screens to Ferguson or or Herbert or Kelly have been pretty ineffective. They generally get chopped down with a you know with a knee tackle and they go down right. And so they tried the same guy tried that with Sadiq and he he like glided past the tackle like it wasn't even there and got eighteen. That was a really something. impressive body control play. It by was the way. like right. Um, and like and when I see plays like that, that makes me want him on the field more. Yes, especially if that's the kind of play you're running, right? And obviously, you can't you can't set it up so obviously by by your personnel usage. But I, where I where I would say you might want to see more tight end involvement. And I think you've seen this a little bit at times this year. Is you know as that kind of like curl route in a okay, it's third and six, and I need to pick up six, and you have your tight end go to the six and present a big body, right? Like I think that's something that Ferguson and Herbert and and Kelly can all do really effectively. Or maybe in the in the red zone, right, when you're, you're trying to throw the ball into the end zone, maybe. There's some opportunities there. And again, we haven't really needed that. So like, let's see what happens before we criticize it. Um, but I, I'm with you, like get the ball to the studs and, and, and they're spreading it around like crazy. I don't outside of Troy, like I, I don't want to be manufacturing targets for anybody. If we were playing in competitive games and we were like, it was like starting to be a bottleneck for the offense. It's one thing, but it just hasn't been a bottleneck at all. Like we've just been moving the ball pretty much at will on everybody. Um, giving and that includes tech. I mean, like we stopped ourselves a couple of times with penalties, but outside of that, like we just we were. I mean, we're what the number three offense at S and P Plus right now and FEI. Yeah, yeah. So it, it it's hard for me to complain about what's happening offensively right now. Yeah, I'm going to move over to the other side of the ball. We have several questions uh, about the defense. One specific to the Colorado game, and then but kind of touches on some bigger themes as well, and then and then some real bigger theme questions. So the first one from Tyler. Uh, Taylor Harrell asks, did you see the seven sacks by Oregon as being due to coverage downfield or to the actual pass rush being too much for Colorado to handle? I think, I think both. I think, I don't think they can block us, but I also thought that our guys in the secondary played really well. And I think that's, I think that's been the case all year. I I don't think that the secondary has been poor um, at all. So um, I actually think the opposite. There's some prevailing like media narratives out there that the Oregon secondary has struggled. Um, I don't what are they watching? True. What games are they watching? 
I don't know, but they're not watching the same ones I'm watching. I think a lot of it just hails back to last season. I think, you, you know, a lot of times with the national media in particular, you see these there, like, I, you know, I, I hear people go like, well, you know, Oregon's D's not very good, you know, still. And, and then, but, but USC D's look, D looks improved this year. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, Oregon's defense was better than USC's last year. And I don't know how you could watch both of those teams this year and, and say that USC's defense has improved more than Oregon's. Like it, it's the opposite by a mile. Oh yeah. No, in the, in the sample think... size we have right now, neither team has played a great offense yet, but. I mean, have we seen? I, I would argue that Washington's defense looks more improved than USC's as well. Now, yeah, so what I, I think. Oh, I, I don't know. I again, I think it's there's a lot of lazy narratives, and it's easy to fall into them. And um, I do I, think I there's just, still a lot of last season kind of holdover in some of these narratives. I, I think it, and again, part of that's because you haven't, you don't have good on good play yet, right? Everybody's, it's all good on bad play, and until you get to that Washington game. That's when the narratives get rewritten on on for either school, right? Like one way or the other, the narratives will get refined based on that game because that's the first game where either either school will have had, you know, a test worth, you know, revising your your biases over. Yeah, I agree. It's it's interesting because I think that this year specifically, there's more teams in a grouping at the top that are really good than usual and I, I don't think that there's any truly elite team this year um we'll see maybe georgia can become that over time i mean if anybody's going to do it it's going to be them yeah um so maybe maybe that's the case maybe georgia turns it on midseason, figures it out the offense gets clicking and as they get healthy they become that dominant team uh but i think that there's a pretty big drop off from that top tier or maybe if, if you want to call the second tier behind georgia to the third tier uh, and and so I think that there's a lot of there's just going to be a lot of uncompetitive games across college football because of that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, Eric kind of touched on what we were talking about: is our defense really this good, or just playing lesser quality opponents? I, I mean, obviously, we have played a lot of lesser quality offenses. I, I think Texas Tech with Shuck is a is a better than average offense in in the FBS. Uh, obviously, they're going to fall off because he's out and and other factors. Um, but other than that. Um, and obviously, I think Colorado has a very good passing offense. Um, I don't think their overall offense is, is great either. But honestly, I think it's you could say it's lesser quality opponents. But I do think our defense is. I think I've seen enough of just watching, like the eye test, you know, the proverbial eye test. And you know, I'm a data guy, but you, I think you need both. And I do think that I'm seeing signs. And we talked about this the last couple episodes too. Is I'm seeing, I'm seeing all the things that would lead you to believe that the defense improvement is not just a mirage of lesser opponents. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, three more questions. Oregon football realists ask, realist asks, it's obvious the defense has improved from last year, but we still haven't played a truly elite offense yet. Can we hold up against Washington's USC, the Washington and USC's of the world? Look, we're not going to shut those teams down. Uh, no, you're not. No, I don't like that's not that shouldn't be the expectation, in my opinion. Like, the expectation should be, um, to, to get more stops than they do, right? Because I don't think they're going to shut us down either. I mean, when you have when you have elite offenses, you're there's going to be points scored. Yeah, I mean, look, let's say you get eight, eight possessions in a game, right? So, if you score touchdowns on all of them, you got 56 points. 
if you can if you can turn two of those two of those possessions into zero points and maybe one or two more into field goals, right? Now you're talking 56 by 42. Now you're talking 35. Okay, now you can win, right? You hold a team to 35 to 38 points. Now your offense can go out and score that and win. So there you go. I do think that Oregon matches up with both of those offenses substantially better than they did a year ago. Yeah, I think the the athletic talent and the speed in the defensive backfield is clearly better. I mean, we have yeah. the same guys on the roster who now who started last year who are now playing backup roles. Like that means we've gotten better. Like like it can't mean anything other than we've gotten better. Yeah, agreed. All right, I, I think Dan. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Very good. We'll get into. It. I, I think it, it can wait until we get into uh, Washington hate week. We got two weeks of watching hate week. We got yeah, so I'm saying like I I have a lot of thoughts on that game and that matchup, but I think we hold those until we get into that week. Sounds good. Catholic Dan asks, "What do you think is the key to our improvement on defense this year? Is it the pass rush taking pressure off our DBs? Are DBs much improved, or some combination of both? Do you think it will hold up against USC and UW? I I, I mean, I feel like we just answered this one." I do think it'll hold up. I mean, is it going to be like, are we going to shut them down entirely? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's a realistic expectation. Um, but I do think that we're better equipped to match up with them this year than we were a year ago. And I do think the pass rush is significantly improved. We have more guys who can who can get at the passer this year by far than we did last year. Agreed. And I think that we talked about we talked about it on the on the other pod. I think our guys are. I think that our guys have improved week to week. I'm talking about the young guys, the freshmen, the freshman edge rushers, um, in a way that makes it so that we can, like, our, our edge rush is improving as we go. Agreed. Yeah, especially. I mean, yeah, you're talking about three freshmen who are playing that role uh, along with Birch and some of the veterans. So, all right, one final question, QB. Desert Duck 99 says, how do you feel about the progression of our linebacker core and how they might hold up against the meat of our schedule? I think they'll do all right. I, I, the, the good thing for us from a matchup perspective is the thing that our linebackers are good at this year is the thing that most of the teams that we play that are like an actual threat to beat us strength is. And what I mean by that is like they're good at running sideline to sideline and playing playing the pass, covering. They get good depth. They understand like where they're supposed to drop to. Like those are the things that are encouraging to me. Um, my the concerns for me come when they have to take on blocks and play in the run game and play in the box. And I don't know that anybody that is actually a threat to Oregon is going to just run at them. I think that it would be a mistake for USC or Washington and just run at them. And I don't think that Utah has the explosiveness on the outside to, to, to like really take us out of just stacking the box against them. Yeah. And then Oregon state would be another team where, where, you, you know, that might be where you'd see it tested later in the year as well. Utah and Oregon state would be the two obvious examples of, of that. But again, you've got, I think you've got guys, especially like a Jamal Hill who are improving week to week in that role. And obviously when Justin Jacobs gets back, that might be someone else who, you know, has has been a more traditional linebacker. Obviously, played outside a lot at Iowa, but he has been a more traditional, you know, linebacker in that sense, and is more used to taking on blocks and in the Big Ten West play. Um, so, I think that's someone who could help in that category as well. But I, I agree with you. The teams, like, look, if if Washington and USC want to line up and run at us, 
Like, I welcome that. <laughs> please, please do that. Yeah. That would be All right. them. That would be them playing on their back foot intentionally. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, particularly Washington. I mean, USC's at least a USC's. A I think got a better running game team than this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, QB. That's all we got for today. Another preview, week five preview in the books. We do have, as we mentioned, coming up. We'll obviously do our our post game uh, reactions on Saturday after the game. We will have our normal Monday morning week five recap. And then next week could be because it's an off week. We have a couple of special guests coming on. We will have uh, a mid-season episode with Hithliday, which I know our viewers and viewers. I know our listeners. We all have, we will have viewers soon because we're going to get on YouTube and start. You'll see our ugly mugs. Well, my ugly mug and QB's pretty one. Um, But we'll have Hithliday on to do a mid-season review. And then uh, we're also going to be joined by Big Ten Ted, who has a podcast on YouTube that he covers the Big Ten country. So he's going to come on next week as well. And, and we'll kind of riff with him a little bit on what's going on in the Big Ten world as we uh, we're half a season away now from from joining that kind of that conference over there. Yeah, I'm just excited like to get past this like halfway point in the season, get into Washington week and then start playing real opponents and like being able to like really dig into these matchups more because these last couple weeks, whether it was Hawaii, Stanford, Colorado, the matchups have been so lopsided they haven't been particularly fun to talk about. And I hope that hasn't come across to the listeners. I hope it hasn't been less entertaining to listen to. Um and I apologize if it seems like we're not giving you guys the quality analysis that um you guys have come to expect over the years, but it's just there's just not a lot to break down when Oregon is like I don't know that Stanford, maybe David Bailey, but like I don't know if Stanford has a single player that would start for Oregon, and I don't think yeah, that Colorado without Travis yeah. Hunter had a single player that would start for Oregon, and Hawaii didn't have a single player that would start for Oregon, and so it's like the the talent advantage that Oregon has had over these teams has been so diminutive um, that it's just made the matchups not all that. Like intriguing. Yeah, but I, but but I, I guess I'll defend us a little bit in one thing. I think I think we I think we brought the quality for Colorado and Texas Tech, right? And and uh, and I think we will obviously for for the Washington game ahead. But I'd also say I think our listeners are smart enough, QB, to know like if we sat down here and spent an hour trying to hype up all the ways Stanford can beat us, like that's just dishonest. And I don't think yeah. people want to listen to that. I, I really don't. Like, yeah, I could go and you know pull up a bunch of names on the Stanford roster and be like, oh, we got to watch out for this guy. Oh, this guy could really torch us if we're not on our A game. Yeah, you know, I don't. I'm not interested. Yeah, it's in, a tight end, an edge rusher, and a running back. I mean, and and I, again, I really like David Bailey. If he hit the portal tomorrow, I'd be more than happy to take him. Uh, Urosic is a good player. I don't know that he's any better than Ferguson, but like he's kind of their only guy, so they they feed him a lot. And EJ Smith and Casey Philkins are solid running backs, but they're nothing like insane, right? Um, and the offensive line is really poor. The defensive line is really poor. The secondary for Stanford is genuinely horrific. Um, so I again, I just expect Oregon to go out and roll them. I expect it to be a competitive game. I think that Oregon staff is going to have a lot of decisions to make about. Um, about red shirts this week because they're going to be in garbage time again and they're going to have to play guys. Uh, and I, and I don't think the red shirts all that important of a decision anymore. Not uh, anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. offensive linemen, defensive linemen, you know, there, there might be a case for some of those guys. Um, but at, you also carry enough bodies to where you don't need to play freshmen if you don't want to. Right. Right. 
All right, QB, we're going to put a pin in this one. Um, again, catch us all on Saturday after the game, about an hour after the game for our instant reactions, and Monday morning for our full Week 5 recap. Follow him at QB11SD on Twitter, or X as it's now called. You can follow me at DouglasTS. Hop on over to Scoop Duck to check out Justin and the gang. And, of course, follow us at QB11Show on Twitter. And we appreciate all of your support. Have a good night. And listener questions. Thank you for the awesome listener question. Bingo.